Listener-supported KTOO, welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and On Demand as a podcast. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. I'm your host, Boston Christopher, going to cheese Hawa Salamat for joining the conversation. On today's show, nonprofit group Reach is here to share about their work helping individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities thrive in our community. UAS School of Education's online graduate program was named in the top 10% of programs in the U.S. We'll find out more about the program from Dr. Carly Simon, and we'll check in with the Juno Police Department. Those conversations, news, music, and more coming up this hour on Juno Afternoon. Hanson Gress, Ka eat with the shu yi, we kashuk a yi tin. Jin kat ka ke jin talk, anakaya ha anikak, gunish cheesh. Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. Every Alaskan can make a difference when they file online for their PFD. Pick, Click, Give, a great and easy way to support nonprofits in Alaska. You simply donate during your PFD application process. There are dozens of nonprofits that you can support in Juno alone, including KTOO. The application period for the PFD begins January 1st and runs through March 31st. More information can be found at pickclickgive.org. This is Juno Afternoon from your public media station, KTOO. School funding is a big topic this legislative session for the entire state, but it is also hitting Juno specifically as the Juno School District is facing a $9.7 million deficit for the next fiscal year. District leaders are considering closing schools to balance the budget, which would also mean laying off principals, counselors, nurses, and other staff. As KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, district leaders say the more campuses they close, the fewer teachers they'll have to lay off. The school board and district staff met at Yadat Kahle Juno Douglas High School on Saturday to discuss school closures. Superintendent Frank Hauser said it's one of the few tools they have to close the $9.7 million budget gap. Anything that is not realized in structural savings is coming straight from the very finite levers we have, which is staff. Any school closure would allow the district to lay off duplicate staff, like principals, nurses, and librarians. But those cuts alone wouldn't be enough to balance the budget. Lyle Melkerson, the district's human resources director, estimated how many other layoffs it would take to close the budget gap, depending on how many schools they close. Filling the budget gap after combining just the middle schools would require laying off 60 to 100 people, depending on their positions. But combining middle schools, combining high schools, and closing an elementary school could cut the number of layoffs needed in half. Melkerson said 30 to 50 teachers typically leave the district each year. I believe we can hit those marks with natural attrition. 
by the end of the year, more close to it. District staff said combining the high schools would also help with staffing elective classes. Board President Didi Sorensen supported the idea. She said students already have limited course offerings, which can make it hard to meet graduation requirements. I don't think we have two comprehensive high schools right now. I think we have two high schools that are grossly understaffed. We are relying on uh, online, a whole range of online courses to provide electives to students who should be able to get those electives in an in-person class. Andy Bullock teaches construction and welding at Yadat Kafle Juno Douglas High School. He says it's important for kids to have access to electives like his. It's a fun outlet for them. It allows them to discover things they like to do. They're not just um, doing only academic work all day. They can get up and move around. Um, and then we, you know, a lot of kids that have gone through these classes we've offered, uh, it sparked an interest in them and they have really good jobs. At a school board meeting last week, Teachers Union President Chris Heideman said layoffs would lower the quality of education in the district and push more young people out of Juneau. Layoffs will continually and repeatedly damage this community because the people that are laid off, according to our collective bargaining agreements, are our youngest early career teachers who will leave this town. This town will continue to get older. We will have fewer students to educate and our schools will continue to suffer. The board asked district staff to come up with a plan that would keep both high school buildings in use and from there use as few buildings as possible. The board's next meeting is on Thursday. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. On Saturday, the board proposed getting uh, putting 10th through 12th graders at Thunder Mountain High School and 7th, 8th, and 9th graders, along with students from the district's optional programs at Juneau Douglas. Dozens of Juneau Douglas students rallied yesterday afternoon along Egan Drive in opposition to that idea, saying all 9th through 12th graders should be at their campus instead. Katie Anastas talked with some of them and has this audio postcard. My name is Maisie Messing. I'm a junior. I think that splitting high school, um, taking the ninth graders out of high school is ultimately going to be really detrimental to education in Juneau. And I think that our upcoming ninth graders deserve to have the same high school experience that we did. I'm Bristol Casperson. I'm a junior. I'm in 11th grade. It's not JD versus TM, it's one building compared to the other. Which one is bigger, which one has the most space, which one has the proper classrooms, wood shop, auto shop, metal shop. And truly, if I honestly, if TM had that, if they had the space for us, if they were the proper place to receive a good four-year education, then I, we would have to put it aside and go there. But JD is that space. This building has those amenities. My name is Sabine Auger. When I saw the um, thing that they were going to do 10th through 12th, I was like, oh no, I'm going to be on the bottom of the food chain again. <laughs> so, but I think it's inevitable that we're probably all going to be in the same school together. So we should just accept that. And like, I really, really hope that the, um, the school board like knows that we want to be um, together at JD, which has the bigger capacity um, and that 
it needs to be 9th through 12th, like it always has been. My name is Sam Oyanik. Do you know Douglas? Like a lot of our ancestors and our families went there. So I think it would be like pretty disrespectful if you ask me. I am a junior um, and then my name is Mary Canapari. I think that being one community would be really great for Juno to just become one again and to support everyone. Um, I feel like we kind of have a rivalry going on, which can be fun, but at sometimes I think it'd be really nice to just um, get everyone together, staying together for like the better, for like, um, like a common goal. And I think education should be that common goal. Hey guys, I'm Aiden Lazo and I'm a freshman at Juno Douglas High School. And we are here rallying to save Judo Douglas High School because we need a legacy that needs to move on and move forward. You know what? Because, no, 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 wait. Give me a second. Because everyone is welcome at Yara Akle. Keep 9 to 12, choose 3A because we slay. And we will follow up with KTO reporter Katie Anastas in studio and get all the latest next Tuesday, February 27th, right here on Juno Afternoon. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Akwan. The Clan AD have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who travel to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. KTOO turned 50 a few weeks back, and we are celebrating throughout the spring, and we want to hear from you, the community that has supported locally owned airwaves in Juneau for five decades. We'd love to hear your reflections on how KTOO has impacted you over the years. We're looking for audio submissions that are one to three minutes in length that share your thoughts, memories, driveway moments, personal stories about the station that we can use on the air. To submit, Record your message on your smartphone and email it to junoafternoon at ktoo.org. Instructions for getting good audio can be found on our homepage at ktoo.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Gunathchish, Hawa, Salama, thank you. Up next, we'll chat with Nonprofit Reach about their programs. This is Juno Afternoon on KTOO. was a little Aaron Heist with another rainy day. You are listening to Community Supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Bay, and online at KTOO.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Nonprofit group Reach provides services to individuals of all ages who experience intellectual and developmental disabilities and empowers them to live self-directed and integrated lives. REACH partners with individuals, families, guardians, care coordinators, and the state of Alaska to build sustainable and personalized goals 
that encourage growth and independence. It's a vital organization to our community. And today we are honored to have in the studio to share more about REACH and its programs, Laurel Stafford, Supported Employment Director, and Paul Spaulding, Support Services Director. They, along with more than 200 Alaskans they employ, help hundreds of individuals and families throughout Southeast Alaska. Thank you so much for being here today. How's it going? Ever in progress, Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Ever in progress. I've never had that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, Gunnath Cheese for being here. Thank you so much. So I know I gave a little bit of an intro there about REACH, but, and I know it started in 1977, but tell us a little bit about the overall aspect of what REACH does and what its goals are. Uh, Well, uh, primarily it's to provide services to people who experience intellectual and developmental disabilities and aid them in building the skills to be more independent and live whatever you would call a, a normal life. Mm. Okay. And it, it is, it's primarily, I got that right, that it's a Southeast organization, Laurel? Yes. yes. Yep. Okay. We provide services to Juno, Haynes, Petersburg. Um, I think, I think those are the primary ones. The primary yeah. ones. And I, I had a list somewhere. Let me see. It says uh, Petersburg, Skagway, no, Yakutat, no. Huna, Wrangell. I mean, everywhere. Gustavus. Yeah. yeah. Like all around, right? Which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, because- 200 employees, that's <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of people. And does that include sort of the staff that I know we have reach here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, people may be familiar with the building downtown where, you are, where your offices are located. And then there's also care providers, right, that you yes. employ. Yeah. So we have direct service professionals. We have uh, job coaches. We also have a huge custodial department that takes up a lot of our uh, employee base as well. Um, managers, CNAs. Um, am I missing any? Not the government. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so tell us a little bit about some of the programs that you all have. Because I know there's some specific ones, but and I would just love to hear sort of an overview of those, and then we can dive into a couple of specific ones. Well, uh, my department support services, uh, we work with individuals in their home and in the community. Um, a lot of the services we provide in the home, which is called supported living, uh, is about uh, helping them maintain a, a healthy uh, home life and building the skills to be more independent in their homes. So they, in the future, may not need someone with them all the time. Uh, and we also provide uh, services in the community. Uh, taking them out to various activities, working on certain goals, socialization, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, do we know some information about this, the infant learning program? Or is one of you able to speak to that? I don't know much about it. I know that they do provide a lot of like in-home services. Um, and then they we have actually been hosting a lot of events at our main office like classes, uh, parent classes and stuff like that. 
I see. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I know that it was um, listed as a program for young, young, young kids, like yes. babies and yes. stuff from like zero to three, which I think is very interesting. And I know that people in Juneau might be familiar with um, what used to be Canvas, right? Which oh, yeah. used to be downstairs yeah. at your offices. Um, what a great program that was. And I know that was a funded program that... Um, we lost, right? Like we yes. got defunded, or, or yes, what? yeah. The state kind of cut the cut the funding for that, which was like a huge loss for Reach. I mean, when you think of Reach, you think of the canvas. That's what I mean. That's what yeah. I think a lot of people listening might right might relate that to, right? Yes. In terms of, and it was great because it was art forms, and it was like doing art oh, and pottery yeah. and all different sorts yeah. of things. And gave us a venue to invite, you know. Members of the community in to yeah. interact with our individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they used to have public events and stuff too, yeah. right? Would show off the artwork. They did, um, there was many like art employment businesses that came out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is there things that, that have, tried to make up for that over time? I know there's a lot of in-home work. And like you said, Paul, you're trying to get folks out into the community. Um, so is there a potential, you know, like field trip that would go? There's that new, what is that new place in Mendenhall Mall, the little where you can paint the pottery oh, thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. is there, is there things, do you do things like that? Would you get folks out into the community that way? Is it field trips and things like that? It would be dayhab. Those would be yeah. like awesome dayhab activities that you can do with like, you know, one individual or you can do group dayhab where they go with a bunch of friends and go to events like that. I see. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes we can uh, coordinate to have the direct service professionals and the individual they're working one-on-one with and pair them with a few other uh, DSPs I and see. individuals. Okay. That's cool. So in your work, Laurel, as supported employment director, mm-hmm. what what is that job? It's such a great job title. What it's, is that? It is a great job title. I actually, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I've been in this position for about nine years and I actually started out as a job coach in this department Okay, and kind of worked my way up. And I kind of just f- fell in love with the idea of, you know, as a job coach, you are going with an individual to say Fred Myers and you're helping them work on goals to become independent with their job in bagging, pushing cards, stocking. Um, and then your next day could be you're at, you know, the hospital and working in the same day surgery unit, flipping beds, restocking medical supplies, um, basically just helping them become independent in their workplace and and letting them live their successful lifestyle that they want. Oh, okay. I'm getting it now yes. in terms of the title, supported employment. Yes. So, um, a, a, a client or a person who is using Reach's services yeah. um, may, will have a job, mm-hmm. and then uh, your, you and your team mm-hmm. are going into those places to help them and facilitate getting better at the job or doing the job or figuring out ways yes. to, uh, to improve the job. Yeah. How it will begin ah. is like an individual uh, and their family will reach out to us about, you know, our kiddo is ready to work. Yeah. And we have our employment specialist who's basically like a job developer. They sit down and figure out what those interests are, what they love to do. And then we kind of job match with them. Or, you know, if they have a goal, we had an individual whose goal was to work for the state of Alaska. He started out as our receptionist in the front office. He worked there for, I want to say three or four years. We did some computer classes. We did resume building. And now he works for the Department of Health. Wow. Yeah. That's really, pretty cool. Really great success story. And yeah. so does does your job as director involve, 
you know, working with uh, places to be employed in the city? Yes. Well, that's more so the employment specialist jobs. My job is very boring. I just work, you know, budgetary things like that. But I help train the employment specialist to kind of build those relationships with the employers in town. So I'm yeah. I'm assuming there's a lot of companies and businesses in town that are are supportive of this oh, of this yes, work. Yes, yeah. we've had a great partnership with Fred Myers, Subway, Safeway, Bartlett Regional Hospital, um, Worldwide Movers. I'm racking my brain. Uh, no, it's all good. <laughs> Who's that? Joanne Fabrics. Joanne's, yeah. Um, that's great. Sportsman Warehouse. There's it's our list is huge. Well, that's, that's really great. I love yes, that. And, yes. um, I mean, like there's nothing like earning a paycheck, right? Yes. Being able yes. To, to go out there and, and make it happen and then like buy the stuff you want to buy. Vacations. And sort of. Yeah. And, and that's part of the goal, right? Is yeah. to, um, have folks be integrated into the community, mm-hmm. not feel for lack of a better term, othered in a way like yeah. to, to have sort of, uh, you know, those kinds of experiences in yeah. life, which is really cool. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And so Paul is support services director, something totally different from <laughs> Laurel's job. Well, in essence, uh, yeah, I do budgetary, <laughs> the boring budgetary stuff and making sure that, uh, uh, my service managers are trained and held accountable. Okay. Uh, what's, what's a service manager? A service manager, they will they will have a caseload of uh, a number of individuals. They will coordinate with the families and the care coordinators to ensure that uh, the services we're providing are of high quality. Uh, they will handle scheduling, uh, which is pretty big and nuanced. Um, and a number of reports that would probably be kind of boring if I went into detail. About <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> but you we can, live and breathe by them. Well, I mean, mm. that's the thing, right? Yeah. There's everything requires a little behind the scenes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, machinery to get the thing moving, right? right. And that's so that's kind of what your area is, is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, and uh, much like Laurel, I started out uh, as a, as a job coach. And kind of worked my way up over time. Actually, I think I started to reach maybe three months before you did. Yeah, we started about the same. Oh, wow. It's actually pretty wild. I just. So y'all are coming up on about (laughs) almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Yes. Actually, it was my nine years at Reach this month. Oh, this month. Okay, cool. And mine was in October. I think. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's a, that's a plus, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like that means it's a great place to work. Yes. Um, yeah. And the work is fulfilling that you do, which, Very is, much so. which is great. Yeah. So if someone hasn't, is let's say somebody has moved to Juneau mm-hmm. or to somewhere in Southeast, if they're hearing this program today, um, and they want to access some of these services, what's the best way to do that? Well, it's kind of a long... Well, it's, yeah, multi-step process. We actually, on our uh, website quite recently, um, have uploaded a guide on how to do this. Uh, But, yeah, the family would need to contact SDS and apply for a waiver. And once they have that granted, uh, they would find a care coordinator to help them uh, navigate the system. And then they would approach us once that waiver is granted. And we would be able to start services. What is SDS? Sorry, SDS, uh, Seniors and um, Disability Services. Oh, so is that a, yeah, that's a state, state agency? State government mm-hmm. agency, yeah. Okay. And so, and why does one have to get a waiver? What does that do? 
That basically ensures that we can be reimbursed for uh, our time and we can pay our staff to work with them. You mean this stuff costs money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough. Uh, weird. Yeah. yeah. No, so, so that's part of it, though, is that there's – and there, there must be support from uh, the state and other, mm-hmm. you know, foundations and things that REACH is a part of as well, right? Compassion and altruism are very important, but we also have to keep the lights on. Yeah. I love that. Compassion and altruism <laughs> are important. Um, and I, do people – are people – if there's somebody listening who wants to donate, are they able to do that if yeah. they wanted to? Yeah. Um, Go to our website. We we have that option. We have okay. a pick, click, give thing on our website. Uh, yes, it's that time of year, isn't it? It so sure it's is. Easy <laughs> to do to send a portion of your permanent fund if you're able to qualify for that into the pick, click, give program. It's a big banner that actually pops up right on your website. I want to make sure I give these websites out. So it's reachak.org is the website. And what's really interesting to me is for a while, I thought of Reach as a national sort of organization, but realizing that it was built here Uh locally, basically, it started in 1977 as as like a family support group. And that over this, what will it be, 50 years Mm -hmm. in just a couple more years, amazingly enough, that it's grown into such this large, widely supported organization that is helping hundreds and hundreds of people and their families. Yeah. Um, And that's really great. And if you are- We're very proud of that. Yeah, it's a really it's it's an accomplishment to be proud of for sure. Um, and if you want to find them on Facebook, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash reach dot inc dot ak. Um, and they have all kinds of uh, cool posts there um, where you can meet the team and you can vote for different things and find out about campaigns. And, and all of that. But I was really curious because, and I'm thank you for explaining, Paul, about how someone gets involved because, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the infant learning program. Um, so if there's a young, I'm assuming that if there's a, a family who has a child um, and has some intellectual or developmental disability and they're at the hospital and Bartlett, since they're already kind of a partner <laughs> with you, yeah. might be able to say, hey, you know what? You need to go talk to the folks over at Reach and kind of figure out what's going to happen. That would seem like the first step. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But if families are moving to Juno mm-hmm. and uh, they don't know where to go, um, Reach is the first place that maybe folks could could find out some information. I'm sure if somebody mm-hmm. called, they would explain just as gently as Paul did about what to do. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. where do I go? Yep. Um, and then obviously talk to the various different. Um, so how does somebody, once they're in this, in, in reach, um, or, or a, a member of reach or however you call that, um, and they want to get a job, Laurel, mm-hmm. do they talk to, do you all help them do that? Yeah. Essentially they would reach out to me and I would direct them to DVR, which is the department of vocational rehab. And they'll go through that process before that we go down the avenue of getting them onto a waiver plan. And DVR will help fund some of the job supports, job discoveries, and things like that. And we've utilized DVR for a lot of different things. They're very beneficial in the process of somebody getting a job and receiving supports from REACH. Because once they've exhausted all of their options through DVR, then we can apply for them to get job supports through a Medicaid waiver. 
I see. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, it's really great that you all came in today to give us sort of the beginnings of what REACH is. It sounds like it's a multi-layered yes. and many different departments, and maybe we'll have some folks from different departments come on in the future, Absolutely. too. I want to learn yeah. more about REACH Absolutely. and all the different things that you do and how you're, how you're um, for, for a really bad pun, reaching into the community. <laughs> um, I'm sure you guys have many puns. For for the name, oh, um, it comes up accidentally. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's important. It is. It's an, a very important organization. It's Reach. Um, they're a nonprofit group here, and they serve all of Southeast Alaska in various different cities: Haines, Peterburg, Skagway, Yucatan, um, Huna. Um, Wrangell and Gustavus. And I said Yucatan. I meant to say Yakata. Um, <laughs> and it's basically Southeast. Uh, I love the what you say in your material. It says Southeast Alaska is remote in the best way possible. Reaches here to assist you to feel independent, not isolated. Yes, sir. Um, I think that's really great. So Laurel and Paul, thank you so much for being here. Gunnith Cheesh for, for coming in and visiting with me for a little bit and telling us all about it. Of course. Thank you very thank much, you. Boston. Gunnith Cheesh. Okay, up next, we will chat with the uh, police department. We have Deputy Chief Craig Campbell in the building. This is Juno Afternoon on KTOO. Sounds wild. Hi, I'm Riley Woodford for the Alaska Department of Fishing Game. On a fall day, I'm in the backyard moving potting soil from flower pots into five-gallon buckets and saving it for next year. Tucked in the soil amid the roots of annuals, I find peanuts, lots of peanuts. My neighbor feeds peanuts to stellar jays, and evidently they've been flying over to my house and caching them in the flower pots. Like squirrels, jays will cache food, like acorns and nuts, for the winter. In the lower 48, scrub jays, blue jays, and gray jays also cache food for winter. And studies show they're good at remembering where they've hidden their caches. Good, but not perfect. And the seeds and nuts they forget often sprout, benefiting the tree species and expanding the range of trees. Ravens also cache food, but generally not for very long. They're short-term cachers. A vacant lot across the street from my house is a popular caching site. And many times I've watched ravens hide food and retrieve it just 10 or 20 minutes later. They're cagey about hiding food, keeping a sharp eye out for potential raiders spying on them and pretending to tuck it away in several places before they actually hide it, then continuing to poke around before they fly off. For Sounds Wild, I'm Riley Wood. This is Juno Afternoon from your listener-supported public media station, KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Joining me now in Studio 2K, dedicated to Carolyn Hobbs-Peterson, is Deputy Chief Craig Campbell from the Juno Police Department. Goodness, Chief, for being here today. Good afternoon, Boston. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about, I know we have... I think last time you were in, we were talking about um, somebody who was going to be coming in to be the new chief. 
And now we know he's here. He's been here for a few weeks. His name is Derek Boss, which I think is so fascinating to have somebody named D Boss, uh, who is now the chief. That's of the boss. The yeah. of the <laughs> boss. How is he settling in? You know, I mean, I can't really speak for him, but it seems like things are going really well. You know, it is anytime you go into a new department, there's just a, probably a lot of overwhelming information coming your way. Um, but so far, I think it's been great. Uh, I think it'll be a great fit. The department it sounds like you really love Juno and the community and just try to probably continue to build on that. But yeah, I'm sure there's a uh, what we call a long list of to do's. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that in his interview recently with KTO's Clarice Larson, he basically said that he wanted to do a lot of listening at the beginning. Um, just sort of get the lay of the land, figure out where he is and, and who he's got in his staff and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and, and he's been on the job for a couple of weeks. That's correct. Right. So, um, it's, it's great to have him. And I know you both, he also mentioned in that interview, and I know that when you chatted with Yvonne Crumry, who's a reporter here as well, you were both talking about staffing and prioritizing the staffing. And I think in Clarice's interview with Derek, um, chief boss, I should say, I guess, um, he said that there were about 14 open positions at that time. Where are we? Are we still in that zone? Correct. Yeah. We have uh, one person that's moving to Juno here in March and that should bring us down to 13. Actually, well, I think, uh, we just had one person resign recently. So, uh, that'll probably be a, It'd be uh, a, uh, a yeah, up and down, right? So probably still be at 14. So, right, right, right. Uh, the old is, up and down. A lot of vacancies, uh, which is what our staff are having to fill those shoes when no one's there. And is that across, that's not just officers, right? Or is that- a, That is just officers. That's just officers. Yeah. Okay. And it kind of goes down from, uh, we have like a, a command level vacancy that will eventually get filled. And then, but all those eventually pull from our sworn officer pool. But across the board, you know, whether it's officers that are technically in positions for the airport or investigations, you know, everywhere, uh, we have 14 vacancies. I see. Okay. And does that, does training come into it? Like, I mean, I know that folks, when they get a job, um, whether they're new, if they are a new police officer recruit, they go off to, you know, training, right? They go off to the police academy or something like that first. But is there ongoing training that happens with y'all too that people do throughout the year? Yeah. And you know, the Juno Police Department, and I think if anybody in the city <laughs> hears this, they probably would acknowledge that the Juno Police Department probably offers more training to their staff, especially in the officer level, than almost probably anywhere else in the city. And that comes from just the initial training that is required. You know, we send officers off to the Public Safety Academy. That's almost four months long of just being there and doing that. Uh, we currently have one officer there attending the academy, and he is intended to come back probably about early June. Uh, and then when officers come back, they do on-the-job training. And that on-the-job training can be before the academy, after the academy. It's really just starting getting them familiar with all the intricate systems that our department uses to function on a day-to-day -day basis. And then they go on to a field training program that's another four months. So that's where they are in uniform, working with a training officer and learning all the skills, uh, like on a stepping stone approach. Right. Um, so, you know, that, and that's just like your year one, your year one is pretty much all training. And then every year after that, we do a recurring training for our staff that can anywhere between 60 to 80 hours of a variety of topics that or some are mandated by um, Alaska statute, you know, the laws, and some are just we're required to do for certifications and qualifications. Uh, so that's on a yearly basis. 
And then depending on how new staff members like want to branch out and do what we call them ancillary duties, like extra duties, like an instructor for arrest control tactics or firearms or uh, de-escalation, we send staff off to specialized training for that as well. Uh, so what's kind of unique about the department is because Juno is fairly small and isolated, we have to be a very self-sufficient department. You know, we can't yeah. rely on the Douglas Police Department to come and support us when something's going on. We have to be able to be self-sufficient to a degree. And so that's, we have a lot of extra duties for people. And for a lot of people, that's very exciting because you get to do more than just the base role as a, as a police officer. Right. And that's what I was curious about just for folks who might be interested in, in figuring out, could they be a police officer and fill one of these open positions? And it sounds like, you know, there's lots of training available, right? And so what's the best way for people to look into their recruitment? I know you have a specific website for that. Yeah, the best way is just go to, you can go to the website, joinjpd.com. That will get you to the website and kind of look around, start getting information. Uh, and then if you have questions, you can actually email joinjpd at uh, junopolice.com. And that can get you in touch with a recruiter. And just our goal is to try to answer as all the questions that people have, because there's probably lots of unknowns when people think of what does it take to be a police officer. Uh, and sometimes the unknowns are just a little bit scary, right? You don't want to reach out. You just don't quite know. But we want to kind of demystify some of that uh, and really to let people understand is lots of people can be police officers. Uh, we train people to do that. We don't expect anybody to come into the door day one and be able to do the same things that an officer can do uh, after their training. Like, we're going to train you and prepare you to do those things. What we really need is people that have uh, good moral character, make good decisions, uh, and are very reasonable. Uh, we, we need good people for our community. Because I know we've talked about this before on the show, but these police officers live in this community because you have to, <laughs> 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 because there's no, you can't really travel. But in other states and other areas, a lot of times a police officer will live in a different town. And so it's a really interesting relationship that the Juno police officers have with the community um, and how that all gets put together. And so I think that's really valuable because then it, it sort of, it, we, we're all living as one in a way, you know, which I think is really, really cool. So um, joinjpd.com if you're interested in learning more about becoming a police officer um, or the other positions that might be available, dispatchers, Yeah, dispatchers like is another one that uh, we have a lot of openings. Um, they get a lot of training. It's a very important job uh, and requires some unique skill sets. And yeah. um, I think a lot of people get into that and find it's a really good um, career for them and they excel at it and be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, I just had a couple more questions for you. Um, I just wanted to follow up on the 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 puppy, the canine that was going to oh, come yeah. to town. Did 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 they end up getting here? We do. Uh, we canine Dax is our new canine. Dax. Dax. Uh, what a Dax great name. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's just you know he's been here since the summer and just been working on trainer with this canine officer and you know it takes a lot of training even for that canine to get up to speed and working yeah our uh, previous canine canine buddy he's actually gone out to retirement so he's not actively working anymore we're working on putting together a little retirement video for him since he's not necessarily i love people it. are friendly but <laughs> retirement <laughs> video say goodbye to to buddy but we're yeah. excited to have dax uh here at the department. Dax is He is here. friendly. So Dax is one where if you saw him, you know, you'd always act, make sure you ask the officers with him if it's okay, but you can pet him and be friendly. And, right, uh, right. So that's kind of a different for us. Don't have anything that smells bad on you. 
if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, or steak. so yeah, right. Or a steak. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, now just, to, I know we had some, some crazy weather this last couple of weeks. Is there any just last tips or anything for potential winter safety aspects? You know, I think the biggest ones, um, for safety for that I can always remind people is, uh, drive according to your ability and the ability of your vehicle. Um, it never hurts to give yourself more time where you need to go. So drive slower. And, you know, if you are driving slower, just make sure to get into that right-hand lane to allow other people who maybe have vehicles that are four-wheel drive, have more capable, uh, they can go the speed that's prudent for them. But traveling at a a prudent and safe speed is probably going to be the number one um, uh, best advice I can give people. And just remember that anytime you are accelerating, you're braking, and you're turning, your vehicle naturally loses traction. And so if you're doing any combination of those, like braking and turning at the same time, and it's slippery, your vehicle is going to potentially lose traction that much more. So I always tell people, try to brake as much as you can in straight lines, turn at you know uh, slower speeds, and just accelerate gradually. And that will help keep traction on the vehicle. Absolutely. Deputy Chief Craig Campbell from the Juno Police Department. You can find out more about uh, joining at joinjpd.com or for more information in general on the police department, go to juno.org slash police. It's always a pleasure to have you in. Um, and you got one more thing he says. Yeah, I was going to say uh, regarding recruitment, we are having a um, fitness testing, oral board testing, and um, uh, a written testing um, event coming up okay. on March 9th. And you can be a part of that. Go to joinjpd.com or joinjpd.junopolice.com and you can email and get more information on that. It is on our Facebook page, but we're trying to encourage community members to come out and sign up for that because we want to do a big uh, hiring push. And really, we're looking for just community representatives to come out and be a part of our team to you know, represent the community. In I love it. So you can find out more about that at the uh, Facebook page and or maybe on the website as well, right? Yes. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for coming yeah. in. Thanks, Boston. Appreciate it. Uh, up next, UAS School of Education graduate online program was recently named uh, top 10% in the US. We'll chat about that and more next here on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. What we most often hear is bad news about our teens. That alters what we know is true. Most Alaska teenagers are doing positive things. They're volunteers, role models, and much more. Spirit of Youth tells these stories. Jaden Binion is a youth leader and activist based in Anchorage, Alaska. He's a Special Olympics Alaska athlete and is one of two Special Olympics U.S. youth ambassadors representing the last frontier. It's a role he has taken seriously as he prides himself in being an advocate for those with intellectual disabilities. His inspirational work has earned him the 2023 Spirit of Youth Role Model Award. He says continuous support from his community pushes him to be his best. Working, working, working together and learning from others and people against believing in me what helped me do well and live my best life. Through collaboration and teamwork, Binion says anything is possible. It shows you what I get done and done in our communities. Whatever, we're working hard, we can achieve.
Binion's continued work with Special Olympics Alaska has cemented him as a community leader and a catalyst of positive change. For Spirit of Youth, I'm Alaska Teen Media Institute reporter Quinn White. Do you know of a teenager making a difference where you live? Take some time right now to nominate them for Spirit of Youth. Get more information at spiritofyouth.org. Your donations bring Spirit of Youth stories to the airwaves. Support for this story comes from Atwood Foundation. You're listening to Juno Afternoon from Studio 2K at KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. The School of Education at UAS offers programs designed to meet the needs of those preparing to become teachers and those who are already in the profession. Their online graduate program was recently named in the top 10% of programs in the United States, which is pretty amazing. Here to catch us up on all things School of Education is Interim Dean Dr. Carly Simon. Dr. Simon has a PhD in Educational Administration and Policy, specializing in public school finance from the University of Florida. She has been a superintendent in Florida, overseeing a district of 30,000 students and a budget of $500 million. Um, Gunnath Chisha Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was, I'm thinking about the school budget issues that we're having in the state and, um, and in Juneau specifically with a $9.7 million budget deficit projected for next year and an $8 million budget deficit for this year. And I'm like, maybe they should be reaching out to (laughs) Dr. Simon to get some advice on what to do, because there's a lot of issues in in doing that. And unfortunately, it looks like some people may have to, you know, lose their jobs or, you know, we're going to think they're looking at combining schools and all these different things. And did you face these kinds of problems when you were superintendent or was 500 million enough? (laughs) Well, when it comes to quality education, I think that even 500 million with the size of student population I had, it wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, I was in a situation during the COVID time period. So we had the ESSER funding for the COVID recovery and that helped. But what we know and what I think we're seeing here in Alaska as well is that um, high quality educators and high quality education opportunities and facilities, those cost money. And um, I, I really am sympathetic with many of the challenges because I think we see this across the country. But um, I also believe that we're having good conversations and a lot of people are focusing on this. And so I'm also a parent of um students within the school system. So I'm, you know, interested on a personal level as well as a professional level. And I really admire what um, the superintendent is doing and the board members to really try to find a solution that will impact as few as possible. But yeah, I, I think it's that's a challenge. The, I think that's the goal for sure. Um, because it is an interesting thing. Like we're talking about your programs at the School of Education today. And there's a there's many people who are interested in in doing education and being a part of that system mm-hmm. and wanting to become teachers and get further training. And I just want to say, um, Dr. Simon, uh, that when you go to the website for the UAS School of Education, the amount of programs and things that you offer is pretty amazing. Um, I mean, you have 
bachelor's and master's in elementary education, special education. Um, you also have, you know, reading, uh, reading specialists, special uh, educational leadership, a master of education, educational leadership. There's so many of these programs. Is there a couple that we might want to highlight today that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I'd say all of our programs are doing great. And actually, to clarify the the U.S. News and World Report, we are it's our graduate programs that were ranked in our online delivery model of our graduate programs. And what we do offer at the School of Ed that I think is across the board that should be emphasized is that we are a distance learning um, graduate program and undergraduate program. So our students can stay within their communities while they are preparing to be educators, which we think is really important because we know in Alaska, a lot of people would like to stay in their community while they're learning a, a career um, path and able to enter into it. Um, our, I came from an ed leadership background, so I will tell you, I think that our ed leadership program is very successful. I've heard a lot of feedback from superintendents and administrators across the state that they were many were trained within our program and valued and appreciated the relationships that were formed while being students and now as they are in their professional setting. Let me ask the the question of what is educational leadership? What what kind of jobs does that lead to? So these would be administrative positions. So um, school principals, assistant principals, um, the superintendency obviously is a certification that would help with superintendents um, positions. But this really is a way to um, transition from a classroom teacher into a leadership position. And gotcha. it comes with, you know, the the certification aspects to make sure that the the Department of Education approves. Well, I love that that the um, on that there is an online component to many of the programs. And as you said, it was the graduate programs, the online portion of those that is in that top 10 percent. And what a great feature that is because we know that Alaska is so remote. Um, and I'm assuming that most of the folks who are enrolled are residents of Alaska who are in those programs, or do you also have people who are from out of state? We predominantly focus on Alaska residents, and we want to make sure that they are having their internship experience in Alaska schools because we do think that it's unique, and we want to make sure that they are having relevant experience in order to apply it in a professional setting. Um our online programs, they're doing great, but we are also looking and exploring um, the apprenticeship models. The Department of Education and Department of Labor are pushing for um, alternative pathways for individuals who perhaps are working in a school setting, but they don't have the, um, the certification to become a teacher. We're looking at pathways to help them on the job learn the skill, become certified, and hopefully enter in our teacher workforce because we do know that we have a shortage and we are wanting to make sure that we are doing our part to address it. On top of that, I just, I do want to plug if I have the time. Of course. Um, we're going to have about 200 middle and high school students uh, tomorrow and Friday on our campus for the Educators Rising uh, State Conference. And these are 
you know, students across the state who have come here to Juneau in order to, you know, discuss the profession of education and look at the pathways. And we're very excited about having them here. We're a small campus, but we are mighty. And <laughs> we're looking at it as a big pep rally for UAS and hopefully get the interest going. Yeah, That's so good. And I know I was going to ask you about in your bio, I noticed um, it says that one of your goals is to support Alaska's initiatives to, quote unquote, grow their own. And I guess this would be part of that, right? Like this kind of rally to bring in a bunch of different people or, like you said, have um, students intern or, or be placed in schools that are in the state of Alaska. Is that all part of that sort of that's like your is that like your goal that you love or is that also part of the school's goal? Well, I think it's definitely part of the school's, the state, mine, um, what I am noticing. And so we have the educators rising. We have the apprenticeship models. We have our traditional pathways. I think what we're all realizing is that there's going to need to be multiple approaches, multiple pathways, and a huge amount of emphasis on partnerships between school districts, sponsors, the state, and those of us in higher education, because we're going to have to come up with many solutions to solve, you know, the problems associated with the teacher shortage. What's the best place for people to find out more information? Is it the website? I'd say the website is definitely the, the best place. I will also tell you I have exceptional faculty and staff, and so you can find their emails and contact information. And we are very much focused on making sure that we reach out and support people where they're interested. Um, but the website is definitely the pathway to us. Yeah, and that's uas.alaska.edu slash education. And from there, you can find all kinds of sub pages and information on all these different programs that they are offering. And um, lastly, I just wanted to ask you, um, so Florida is where you <laughs> went to school and you worked for a while. How did you find your way all the way here to Alaska? Well, I was, um, I actually worked in Alaska when I was 21. Um, okay. I worked at Denali Park and the uh, hotel industry and fell in love. And um, when I was looking for opportunities outside of the state of Florida, a opportunity for the actual Juno superintendency position was um, available to me. So I was a candidate for that. And in that process, um, UAS was introduced to me and my family and I were ready to have a new home in Alaska. And so we're very happy here. We actually love the weather, even though a lot of people have warned <laughs> us about it. I mean, we left Florida and it was 100 or 100 degrees. And 100% humidity, so Juno's quite lovely. Well, uh, Dr. Carly Simon, who is the interim dean uh, for the School of Education at UAS, thank you so much for coming in today, Gunnath Chief, for telling us about it. And for more information on the programs at UAS in education, you can go to uas.alaska.edu slash education. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to have you here today. We'll do it for today's Juno Afternoon. Have a wonderful Wednesday. On tomorrow, 
show. It's Culture Rich Conversations, and they continue their Black History Month conversation with guests from the NAACP of Anchorage. They will chat about Lift Every Voice and Sing and the National Anthem. That's tomorrow, right here on KTOO at 3 p.m. Juno Afternoon airs Tuesday through Friday at 3 p.m. here on KTOO 104.3 and KAUK Juno Ock Bay 91.7. Hello, Out the Road. Find the show online at ktoo.org slash Afternoon, where you can listen to episodes, subscribe to the podcast, or find out how to be a guest on the show. Our theme music is by Indian Agent. I'm Boston Christopher, producer and host of the program, with help today from Aaron Tripp. Thanks, and have a fantastic Juno evening. Thank you.